Welcome to Talking With Tech. I'm your host, Rachel Madel, joined as always by Chris Bouguet. Hey, Chris, what's up? Contain my excitement. You and I, we are presenting here today. We're recording right now, but in a few hours, we'll be back together because we're presenting this this uh, presentation together on coaching. It's um, a multi-part series, but this is a two-part, right? This is because it's two hours. I don't know. Tell us about it, Rachel. Tell me about it. Oh, I'm so excited, Chris. So Chris, you and I have presented on coaching one hour, which we realized was definitely not enough time. (laughs) Not enough time. Uh, So we've built out a two-hour coaching course um, with a focus on remote coaching because a lot of people are still doing virtual learning and working via telepractice. And so what better topic to, to deep dive in than coaching, because as we know, coaching communication partners is the path to success when you're working with AAC learners. And I'm really pumped because we have been working hard on this, Chris. We've gotten together a few times, um, brainstormed. We've gone through, I've gone through hours, (laughs) hours of my sessions, um, trying to find really good clips to share. So there's a lot of um, videos of my sessions, coaching families. Um, there's some clips of us, Chris, together coaching other clinicians, um, people who have reached out to us, who listen to the podcast, who are like, I have this issue or this question or this problem. Um, so I'm really excited because I feel like we have a lot of really great content to share. And what I'm most excited about is that it's going to be really interactive. And I love the continuing ed where you're a part of it and you're, you're, you're brainstorming, you're troubleshooting, you're participating. And so that's what I'm most excited about because I feel like there's going to be a ton of audience participation um, because we have a lot of kind of exercises to kind of teach people systematically how to coach communication partners. Um, so they're actually going to be practicing coaching. Exciting. I, one of the biggest fears I have lately is that we will not, we as a society will not learn uh, or take our lessons that we've that we've learned from COVID and distance learning. And there's a lot of conversation that I hear about going back. Oh, we're going back to the classroom. We're going back. It's like, I don't want to go back. I want to go forward. And going forward means learning from the lessons that we've taken away from this distance learning ex- experience that we've all had. And one of those big things, a big takeaway is is the idea that now everyone has, many people have these skills about how to use this technology, the technology that you and I have been using for, uh, you and I together have been using three years, at least three years, and but we've been using even before that, before we knew each other. Now everyone knows these skills. People know about Zoom and Google Meet and how to have a video conference. And it's not just with uh, uh, a weird Skype thing you do with your friends uh, or you do with your family once a year. You know, now it's just part of how you do it. Um, and now we can take this these tech skills that people have learned and mesh it with this idea of coaching, which was really even just starting to start to flesh itself out in person. But we can uh, immediately move to this using coaching in a re- in a remote or distance learning environment and help families um drive the drive just super excited about that yeah i mean i agree yeah i mean i agree i feel like we've been cornered as a as a profession now we have to coach right (laughs) so everybody who was like i don't really know about that it's like oh no like that's all i have (laughs) in a lot of ways and so i feel like it's been really good and um, something we talk about in our course chris is that this is a lifelong pursuit It's not like magically you decide one day you're going to start coaching and then all of a sudden you're a great, perfect coach that, you know, it's something that evolves over time. And um, the more you think about coaching and the more that you coach, the more that you think back on how you could have coached differently. Um, It's kind of like a a matrixy thing. Like I'm like coaching people and then I watch my videos back and, you know, I watch how I was coaching. And so it's just such a cool process. And um, I kind of liken it to mindfulness in a lot of ways. Um, Chris, a few years ago, I've, I've been meditating for, I'd say like 10 years at least. But a few years ago, I decided to do an intensive course through UCLA. 
and it was a mindfulness class. And so it like kind of, you know, I, I committed to three, a three hour class once a week. There was always homework and exercises I had to do. And what that did for me was it took my, my meditation game and my mindfulness to the next level because I, 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 it was intensive, right? I was like going every week. I had homework to do. If I didn't do the homework, I felt super guilty. So like I was accountable. Um, and so I feel like it's kind of similar to that. The more I've been doing coaching during this time, the more I've been thinking about coaching, I've kind of immersed myself in coaching and it's awesome because I feel like I'm constantly becoming better at it. Um, and it's something that isn't, isn't necessarily a skill that just happens overnight. It's something that you have to practice in order to get better and better. And even when you feel like you're a strong coach, I mean, I still watch my sessions back and be like, ah, I I was consulting there. I wasn't coaching. Oh man, like I totally could have asked a reflective question there. And and instead I just told her what to do. This is coaching itself and AAC are both things uh, or helping other people learn AAC is something that that you just continue to grow with, you know, and that it just never ends. It just continues to to evolve and you can continue to hone your skills and continue to get better. Um, so I, I really can't wait to do this with you too. this, uh, the presentation. We always have fun presenting together, at least. Well, I won't speak for you. I always have fun presenting with you. Um, I think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a great back and forth that we've developed over the years. Um, so I think it's going to be a super fun time today. Yeah. And you know, it's kind of just feels like an extension of the podcast in a lot of ways. (laughs) I'm just like, you know, you start talking and then I'll just like chime in with a joke and then I'll start talking and you'll like chime in with a prank. And (laughs) it just feels like I'm right at home. That uh, we're doing this, kind of kicking this off in this particular month because this is AAC Awareness Month. And so I'm just curious, what kind of things do you or we have popping off for AAC Awareness Month? Well, I have to tell you, Chris, that I had this realization, uh, I guess it was September 30th, (laughs) the day before AAC Awareness Month started. You know, we've been planning as as my team, what are we going to do for AAC Awareness Month? What are we going to show? You know, what are we going to post? You know, how are we going to build awareness? And I had the realization, wow, like I'm doing all this work for my, you know, business page which obviously I have a lot of people who follow me who want to know about AAC and love AAC and are passionate about it. But it's kind of like, those are the people that don't yeah, really right. need They're the aware. <laughs> exactly. aware. Exactly. They are aware. Um, so anyway, I've decided for this, this year that I'm really going to spend some time on my personal social media. So uh, last week, I think it was, I posted a video that we had posted uh, on my business page, um, which is just a, an AAC awareness video that we created with an interview with one of my clients talking about how AAC has really changed. She has twins with uh, autism who are non-speaking and have been using a device for a few years now, and it's been a game changer. So anyway, I, I feel like it's important to, to think about how can we reach people who know nothing about AAC? How can we reach people who, when you say AAC, people are like, huh? What's that? <laughs> you know, it's like those are the people that we need to be teaching about augmentative alternative communication. And so I would encourage everyone who's listening to kind of think through that lens. And to be honest, I hadn't thought about it. I mean, I've been celebrating AAC Awareness Month for years now. And it was like just this year that I was like, wow, I really need to do a better job of educating my friends and my family um, because they don't even know really what I do and kind of the work that I do. They know I'm a speech therapist, but it's like I have a very specific area of speech therapy that I that I work in. And um, it's been really fun. And actually, I've been having a lot of really great conversations from posting on my personal social media. Um, for example, someone who is kind of like a peripheral friend um, on social media reached out and was talking about her mom who has ALS. And was like, she was like, she's about to lose her voice. Is this something that would be good for her? I was like, yes, yes, yes. Like, let's get it started now. Um, and then, I, of course, I talked to her about voice banking and all of these things. And so it's like a perfect example of how, um, you know, just taking some time to talk to your friends and family about AAC, you know, can mm-hmm. be really powerful. I think that's a, that it's funny as well, except not necessarily with my friends and family, but more of a, a close to home sort of a approach 
for for I I get to write. Um, it's called the Inclusive Technology Spotlight, uh, and it's it's just a portion of a larger newsletter that goes out in our school district. And this, you know, the, the very first one I got last October, and um, of course I focused it on AAC and this whole initiative that our school district was was doing uh, around coaching and uh, partner augmented input. Well. This year, when we, it's like, okay, what, what do I spotlight this year? And so what I'm spotlighting for AAC Awareness in this communique, this brochure that actually gets posted on our website as well, is our new website. We launched a new website in our school district. It's bit.ly slash L-C-P-S-A-A-C. Uh, so if you go to bit.ly slash L-C-P-S-A-A-C, you can see our website, which doesn't, the, the, the idea, we go there and kind of check it out, is that we had this notion of how do we keep the information tight? You know, like we, that was our, our what we, the words we used when we were putting it together. It's like, what do parents need to know now that could get them up and running? And so I'd be curious when people go and they investigate that website, you know, we may use a Google site and, and put it together with a couple, um, you know, short, uh, one of the videos that you made about the core words is on there. Um, yeah, <laughs> look at you Thank blushing. You. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Who, me, Chris? <laughs> Is not to make it this giant, robust, every resource you could ever find with AAC, but essentially, I know nothing or I just know a little bit. What can I do? Um, or I've been relying on my teachers to, um, to, to, to help teach my child, and there hasn't been a lot of back and forth necessarily. Maybe there has, has been. Um, but, you know, with the, uh, the, this website was developed out of the, um, I mean, we always kind of wanted to make this website, but it really forced us to do it a lot quicker when, um, when COVID hit. And so that's what it was meant to, to do. So anyway, I got to write a little, um, you know, post about this in our, in our communique and, uh, kind of show off this website. And then the other thing in that brochure, something that happened in our local school district is one of our schools, uh, an autism teacher worked, uh, a little bit with me, a little bit with one of, um, uh, my colleagues, and we brainstormed putting together a, you know, a playground board, you know, um, the, the autism teacher really wanted to do this and she got our input on it. And so there's pictures there of this, uh, of this board that, that she actually got through and got funding for. And so there's some, some strategies around that as well. So uh, super excited to kind of show off what's happening in our local area, um, as opposed to try and do something, you know, super, super huge and global, you know? I love this. I can't wait to check this website out. I think you might have shown it to me at one point, Chris. Is that? Did you show it to me? Make sure that we were keeping it tight, and you know, it's one of those things where you work on something and you get too close to it, and you so you think it's perfect, and you don't know until you get someone else to put their their eyeballs or earballs on it to go. Yeah, no, Chris, you're fine. You know what I mean? So I probably did send it to you at one point to just say, hey, can you check this out and see how far off the. Yeah, speaking of that actually, so we just released a new, a brand new resource on my website. It's called AAC Vocabulary Bundle. And that's exactly what I did because I oftentimes, before we release any type of product, I go through so many iterations. I use it, I have my clinicians use it. I'm like, give me feedback. But for this one specifically, I actually reached out to some other people in the field um, who are AAC people, and they were nice enough to give me feedback. Kara Walton, who we had on our podcast, she was one of the people that, that I reached out to, um, a lot of other clinicians, and they all gave me really great feedback. And I'm like, this is something I should be doing more of. Um, I tend to keep it internal within my team, but it's really nice to get perspectives from people who are outside of your small circle, right? Because the people are around us tend to yeah. be very similar to us. And so it's, it, it was something that just dawned on me this kind of go around. And I'm so happy that I did. I'm super excited about this resource, Chris. It's like one of my favorite things. Um, so essentially in, in a short little synopsis of what it is, it's a packet of basically like handouts that you can talk through with parents um, on figuring out what vocabulary to target when you're either starting off with a new client who's using AAC. I oftentimes will use this during my consultations um, with families because we're talking about, you know, what words are they saying most frequently? What phrases are they saying most frequently? What are their top motivators? Um, what core words are they already using or core word phrases? What nouns do they use? 
Um, what kinds of, of uh, nonverbal communication are they using? Um, so there's lots of different checklists and boxes to fill out. Um, it's super easy to do digitally. And so there's there's that. And then we also kind of revamped and did a, a least and most prompting hierarchy, um, kind of simplified it a little bit because it's been my experience that communication partners, typically parents are like, what is this? When I share a, a prompting hierarchy, they're like, I'm not sure what an indirect verbal like <laughs> prompt is. <laughs> and so I like made the language super simple. You know, it's still color coded in a similar way. Um, and I did a really like short kind of explanation of each level of the prompting hierarchy. Um, so I'm really excited about this resource. Got tons of great feedback. We just launched it yesterday and so many people have been like, oh my gosh, this looks so great or I already bought it. Um, so it's like, it's fun when you create a resource, it takes months and months of like trying it, changing it. I have to like shout out to my team because I'm the most annoying person to work for. Um, I'm like, oh, you see that line? Like, I don't want that line there. And then like 24 hours later, I'm like, actually, I think we need that line back. Um, <laughs> so I have to give a big shout out to them because they're just so patient with me and I have a lot of attention to detail. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm super excited about is this song that you wrote and that you're going to perform for us right now for AAC awareness. I think it's going to be, you ready? And a one and a two and a and I'm definitely not singing. <laughs> Nobody wants me to sing, trust me. <laughs> but this does lead us into our interview today, Chris. Today, you, you and I are not singing on this podcast, but we do have Stephen Neese on this podcast. He's the interview coming up. Stephen Neese and I met in South Carolina. I was um, one of the presenters at the Skisha conference, um, which was just before um, COVID happened. I was one of the last presentations I got to do live. And so he was one of the people that, um, that uh, helped put that conference together. In fact, He's well. He's going to explain it all in the uh, in the interview, so I won't get into it now. But um, you know, and then he he when we were talking, he's like, "Yeah, I do this this um, YouTube channel. It's called Speech Speech Pathology Songs." And I was like, "Wait a second! Wait a second! I know I know you. I've seen I've seen this resource before." Um, so so you know, without further ado, let's listen to my interview with Stephen Neese and sing along. <laughs> Hey there! If you love listening to this podcast, we would be so, so grateful for your support to keep it going. By becoming a Patreon member, you can not only help us cover the cost of this podcast, but you can get some really great bonus content as well. We post video tutorials, behind-the-scenes recordings, and bonus segments from our interviews. We would love for you to join us by going to patreon.com slash talkingwithtech. Welcome to Talking With Tech. My name is Chris Bouguet, and I'm here with Stephen Neese. How's it going, Stephen? It's going pretty good, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for being here. So, full disclosure, we're recording from our homes during the, uh, the pandemic. And Stephen, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you and what do you do? Sure. So, um, I'm Stephen Neese, as you said. I'm a speech-language pathologist and an assistive technology consultant. I work for Aiken County Public Schools, and that is in South Carolina. I'm also an adjunct instructor at the University of South Carolina. So that's a new position uh, for me. Uh, I'm teaching a graduate level AAC course this fall. That is the first time I'm doing that. So I'm uh, learning on the job right now. Uh, and I am uh, the president elect for Skisha, and that is the South Carolina Speech Language Hearing Association. And that's where I saw you. Uh, well, February, it seems like three years ago, but uh, February, just a few months ago, uh, and you came and uh, spoke at our convention this past year, and I'm also the CEO and founder of Speech and Language Songs, which is kind of my little side project. I think we are uh, very similar in that way with these side projects, like podcasts yeah. and you doing the songs. And the <laughs> I guess we get bored and want to do uh, some other interesting things all the time. Absolutely. And, and feel like this value, like there's a place this can help, right? I mean, um, we're going to get into those songs here in a little bit because I want to hear all about that side side uh, project. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I follow you on Twitter and I've seen your YouTube videos, you know, and so I'm, I'm sure other people have as well. Uh, but those that haven't, we want to tell everyone about it. But, but let's start with the AAC stuff. Um, sure. And although they're related, don't get me wrong, yeah. but your day-to-day -day jobs. Um, so let's talk about like, so here we are 
uh, ramping up the time of this recording. It's just before school is about to start. So it's sort of end of the summer, beginning of school. And so let's say pre-COVID, what did AAC look like in your neck of the woods and your responsibilities? And then let's talk about when COVID struck and the closures. And then what are you anticipating coming up? Right. Um, So before this, uh, and I'm basically an AAC consultant this entire time, you know, regardless of the situation. Uh, But to begin with, before all of this, I was uh, very present in schools, in classrooms. So I would do a a big part of what I was doing was push in lessons. So it was kind of like a model lesson, but we would also talk to teachers and SLPs about um, different aspects like aided language input and modeling and prompting and things like that. So we uh, had that as an opportunity to check in with a lot of these kids and see how the teams were doing. But we would also do a lesson, which of course included music as well, um, in, into it. So uh, we would do that. And so that's the big, big difference is prior to all of this, I was very present speaking and seeing a lot of people interacting with a lot of students as well as the the teams um and so that has changed so uh, when it hit uh, at the begin or the end of last school year we really were scrambling of course um so the main priority was to get the equipment where it needed to be first mm-hmm. um and i know that's not like not the most important thing i know you hear people talk about AAC is like if you just hand them a device that's not going to teach them how to do it but at that moment it was a lot of users that were already using it for a while it's like we just need to make sure they have it mm-hmm. um and then we so that was the first run so uh, i was running around to schools finding the devices in the classrooms or where they were in the schools because nobody was really there there were some admin there but nobody was there so i was emailing people I was like what cabinet was it in and things like that uh so we would grab those uh, that luckily we had some teachers and sops that were on uh, on it uh so before they even went uh, and we already dismissed, they knew, and they were like, can we go ahead and give it to them? I was like, absolutely. Thank you for thinking of that uh, before I thought of that. Um, so that I was just running and then uh, taking it to the homes, which is kind of neat because I got to see some kid- kiddos at home and they're just like, like why are you here? <laughs> and so excited to see me, but also kind of confused at the same time. So that was pretty neat. So we did that. And then after that, it was uh, really kind of coaching doing some coaching, doing some parent coaching, uh, talking to them on the phone or Zoom, depending on what the capabilities they had, um, and uh, giving them some pointers on how to get through the rest of the school year, as well as consulting with a lot of the SLPs and teachers. And we, uh, and I work with closely with another SLP that does AAC stuff. So we created a bunch of videos too, of us like modeling and playing music and doing things like that. Um, so we did a bunch of different things, but it didn't really feel very organized or uh, well thought out at the end of the school year. So uh, leading into this school year is kind of like, okay, let's have a much clearer game plan. Uh, and I think we do. Uh, we feel a lot better about it. A lot of teletherapy that's much more structured. Um, and also I'm going to be, go- or here's the plan at least. We'll see if it uh, works out. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to be uh, teaming up with all these SOPs, kind of dropping in on all of their uh, teletherapy sessions with the AAC kiddos, and we'll do some parent coaching in that aspect. At least that's the uh, the plan. We'll see how all that goes, or if it changes uh, in another month, probably. But we're trying to just remain flexible and uh, just kind of uh, get it done the best we can. Well, people have heard me say this multiple times on this podcast, but I think that is the I think that is exactly the pl- the game plan that we should be going with. It's so exciting to hear that you're. This is exactly what you were thinking, and and that you're not only did it at the end of the year with the parent coaching, but now are purposely p- planning for it. Um, just curious, did you have any experiences where where um, either it was really negative or really positive, where where parents were like, "Well, we didn't." We didn't know, but now we know because you coached us through it. You know, I'm curious if there was any like wow moments there. <laughs> you know, I think really the only negatives was the uh, not showing up or not answering or not being able to communicate. So nobody was really resistant if we actually talked to them. Um, but some are just extremely difficult to uh, get in touch with. Sure. Uh, and that could be a myriad of reasons, you know they're working two jobs and they have five children or something like that. And it's just impossible for them to uh, handle this task at this moment, um, which is completely understandable. Um, and then the positives are just having really good conversations um, and way more communication than we have ever had 
mm-hmm. uh, with parents, you know, so I'll, and as a consultant too, that's kind of bebopping between uh, many, many different schools. Most of the time I'm not really connecting with the parent at all. So uh, we did a little more of that. Like I said, going to the home and kind of seeing them as kind of a good connection to kind of started, started off, even though we were very distant and we, uh, there was no contact at all, but uh, still seeing those, uh, uh, these parents and then uh, having those conversations was very powerful. And I, on, to be honest with you, I think it's going to change the way we do things from now on. Uh, like this is a way bigger bang for our buck um, than what we were doing. So it, it was really kind of turning everything on my head, on its head. And like, why did I not think of this before? Before, I, yeah. <laughs> like when it, it wasn't, it wasn't forced. Um, uh, we, we could have been doing something like this. So parent coaching, huge. Huge. And I hope we do a better job uh, this school year with it than we did at the end of last school year. So let's talk about your one of your other jobs, which is the being an adjunct instructor. So you said it, you kind of recently, you're, you haven't started teaching? You haven't no, started yet? Uh, you're about to? I'm, I'm, I'm about to. Uh, so Tuesday, uh, so by the time this comes out, I would imagine um, I, I'll already be teaching. Uh, but uh, so next Tuesday, it's a Thursday right now. So next Tuesday, so we're almost there. Uh, that's going to be my first uh, uh, class first lecture uh, so I was supposed to do this in person as well so this was going to be my first course I've ever taught in this capacity so that was kind of a big thing and then we're like okay now we have to switch it to virtual and that's a whole nother uh, beast another challenge in and of itself so I've learned a lot um, so figuring out and we use uh, Blackboard Collaborate Ultra. It's like uh, we're using uh, so we're on Zoom right now uh, using Blackboard uh, Collaborate Ultra for that and then for our school district is Microsoft Teams so it's like every everything that we're doing is a different a uh, different format um, so that's been kind of interesting to just you know learn that software um, and do that and just how to structure it and try to make it engaging I, I've, I'm, I've done some things so that I think are going to be engaging we'll see if, uh, if everyone else agrees with that uh, so doing like and I found like the Kahoot and a Mentimeter uh, those things. And there's some cool um, uh, features within uh, Blackboard that you can utilize too. So uh, uh, just getting prepared. And I'm not sure if uh, you know, so we have a South Carolina assistive technology program within our state ran by uh, Dr. Carol Page. And she taught the class previously. And uh, so she has helped me a ton with uh, resources. She's made it way easier than it would have been if I just had a blank slate. Yeah. Uh, so she helped me a ton. So it's a lot of that too. I'm reading uh, the books that they're going to have to read and like creating tests and things like that. So, um, and also just learning stuff about my other job. I was like, Oh, okay. We need to apply this. Why have we not been doing this? Uh, you know, something that you kind of missed out on or forgot about just in the recesses of your brain. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Bring, brings it back uh, to it. So do you, do you feel like, do you know who they are yet? Are they, are they, undergrads are they graduate students are they people that are out in the workforce and coming back and they're kind of doing this new as a new job is it a whole mixed bag uh so they're all graduate students and most of them are not like they aren't slpas or slts that we're continuing most of them are not Mm -hmm. honestly i don't really know anything about anybody uh we just uh i got their emails literally probably two hours ago (laughs) and and sent them all an email saying hey (laughs) this is you know trying to help them orient to this uh weird situation too so i really don't know anything about any of them um but uh we're going to be learning but i do know they are grad uh, students in their second year so they're close this is their last year of grad school. So they've been, been there and done that a good bit. And they're already doing clinical uh, externships. And I'm not even sure what that looks like, to be honest with you, uh, for, for them right now. Uh, but they're doing some form of rotation. So they have a good bit of knowledge under the belts already, which is good. It's great. It sounds so exciting. I mean, I, I, something again, we've talked on this podcast many times is the need for uh, not just AAC instruction at uh, pre-service level, but quality and, and quantity. And it sounds like you've tried to make it a really engaging experience because it could be like, show up and listen to me talk, but you can tell that's not your style, right? So. Yeah, I, I hope not. I hope they don't think that. <laughs> All right. So before we get into the songs, because you had mentioned it a couple of times how like you'd show up and you would, um, you know, do some modeling and you do the singing and, 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 and kind of make it a fun experience. Let's talk about your work with um, Skisha. So you said you're president elect. Um, what does that mean? What's that all about? What's that look like for you? 
Sure. Uh, so SCISHA, South Carolina Speech Language Hearing Association, that's our state association for SLPs and audiologists. Each state has one. It's kind of like uh, the little little brother and sister of uh, ASHA, I guess. Um, so uh, we, we uh, do that. So I, I was kind of into advocacy stuff, like since I graduated. I don't know why exactly, but uh, just uh, something that was always of interest to me. Um, so I started in the VP of membership and outreach position a few years ago. And then when that kind of ran out and there was an opening to, you know, vie for the president position, I went for that. Um, and so then you go through this whole thing, you're a PEE, which is president elect elect for one year, then you're president elect for one year. That's where I currently am next year. So you, once you're in, you're kind of in it for like four or five years. Um, so that next year will be president and then, uh, president uh past president after that so uh so uh, and one interesting thing that we're doing right now is uh switching over we're, we're trying to cancel the um convention because we had in-person conventions not until february uh but we're trying to do that switch over to a virtual format and figuring out what that looks like what because these are things we've never done before as a, a state association so that's been very challenging but, but I mean, it's kind of fun too, because it's kind of a little bit of an adventure. Um, so it's going to be way different than uh, when you were with us uh, this past year. It's going to be a completely different thing. So how do we do the exhibit hall? Because we want to try to have a, uh, exhibitors a part of it, sponsors a part of it. How do we make it enticing? Um, how do we get uh, uh, people to come speak and make that fun and an enjoyable experience just for our membership, uh, mm -hmm. people within the state, so they don't feel like they were uh, kind of left out of some, something that they normally get every year. So we're, we're working through that right now. That's kind of our big thing. And then we have some big advocacy uh, efforts coming down. We did a universal licensure, which really had a lot to do with uh, working in the schools uh, and be, not having to hold your C's, uh, your LLR license, as well as a educator certificate, not having to do, juggle all three of those. So we're still working through that right now, currently. And then after we kind of get all of that ironed out, uh, which will make it easier for people to hire within the schools, a much efficient process, um, we were going to look at the interstate compact and trying to jump on board with that. I know that's kind of been more of a, a hot button issue for like ASHA is kind of pushing it now and only a handful of states are uh, there. So we want to jump on that and be a part of that push because I think that's just good for the speech pathology profession. Seems like a, a no-brainer, but you know, going through and having the lobbyists push things, and you know, it just takes time. It so. takes time, yeah. <laughs> well, that sounds awesome. Let me ask you, in your conversations, going back to the conference for a second, what's, what's something you think will be you know, completely different or, that, or at least a part of a conversation that you've been having about, uh, you know, well, okay, how would we do this thing that we want to do in a virtual way? You know, we have any uh, tips or tricks? Because I bet you there's people listening going, yeah, how am I going to, we're doing that too in uh, wherever we are. You know? <laughs> yeah, and, and, I, and honestly, we are, in the early stages, I really just uh, been brainstorming and uh, throwing things in the uh, Google Docs to share with the, the rest of the team and get feedback and things like that. So really, so far, it's just uh, we're looking at two different strands. Uh, you can jump back and forth between the strands. Uh, we're having the exhibitors be able to like we'll we'll kind of run some ad copy type thing uh, between and in front of each session. And in the breaks, we'll have like uh, their logos and things like streaming across. So that's one way we're trying to keep. And then we'll have like a virtual exhibit hall on the uh, website. Again, these are just ideas. ideas. <laughs> Come to fruition. Um, so and then trying to reach out to uh, people that we may not would typically be able to get to speak because of time or distance. So we started kind of thinking about that. It's like, hmm, this person said they couldn't do it because it's just going to take way too much time to come to South Carolina. Maybe they're in California or something like that. Right. Uh, get those people that never come to our uh, conference. So now some fresh ideas, um, fresh faces that our membership hasn't seen. So those are some of the things that we thought about. Oh, and, uh, and again, just an idea. We're talking about like doing like a, a little mixer, like a wine night or something like that and be part of it to just be a little, be a little more fun. Hopefully we can make all those things work <laughs> and it happens. But and the, the two strands and kind of we're uh, trying to use Zoom 
and uh, up our account so we can have that many people on at one time and have two si simultaneous strands. Uh, so we have to work through that. I'm not even sure how, how that happens yet, but uh, we'll, hopefully we'll, we'll know that soon. You know, that sounds awesome. Those sounds like a, lo a lot of one great ideas. It sounds like um, I know how much time and effort it takes to put something like that together anyway, and then do it in a virtual space and thinking about all those sorts of things really from a from a participants perspective, I think it, it, it is going to make an awesome experience. And I particularly liked the sort of um, social aspect of it, because I feel like that's part of the, so many people think a conference is about coming and getting content, but really it's the little spots in between where Stephen and I meet afterwards and I'm packing up and we're chatting and we're talking and now we're brainstorming strategies. Now we're walking down the hall together and we're, and we're connecting, you know, and we're building our professional learning community. And so how do you do that in a virtual space? And it sounds like you're thinking that way, you know? Yeah, yeah we're, we're trying to figure it out. Yeah. Because a lot of people go out to dinner afterwards, go to lunch and a long break or whatever, see people they haven't seen in, in years. And that's part of it. And that people look forward to it every year. Uh, so we're hoping to model that experience somewhat. <laughs> you know, it's not going to be the same. Uh, it's not none the same. Of, it's always, none of this is the same, but hopefully it can still be uh, fun and engaging and we can get enough people uh, involved to make it worthwhile. I think it's totally possible. I think you're right on track, Stephen. I, I've been I've able to have been a part of many of these. I've never had to plan one myself, but I'm yeah. part of them. And I, it, you, there is a spirit of like how awesome it is that you're connecting, even if it is in this virtual space. Um, I don't think it's necessarily even a, a secondary thing. You know what I mean? It's just a different experience. And this is how it is, you know? All right. So let's talk about some songs, man. It's my turn to play. Because you do speechandlanguagesongs.com, right? And you were already mentioning it in therapy. So where did it start? How did, you know, what, what was your inspiration for it? And um, let's talk about it. Sure. Uh, so like when I started, I mean, when I was started being a speech pathologist, I guess I'm going, going way back here. Uh, so before I was uh, went to the grad school, I was, I uh, had a minor in media arts, which was audio. So I did like audio design, Foley art, uh, recording bands and things like that. Or I uh, had a minor in music, which was classical guitar and uh, sang in the choir. Um, so I had all these musical aspects to it. Uh, I played in bands and worked at music stores for a little bit and did that while I was in grad school. So as soon as I got out and started working in schools, I was using music. Uh, I was playing guitar, singing in, in in the therapy room, and then pushing in. But it and so that was many years ago now. So about I, this is my eighth year uh, within the same school district. Um, so for a while there, I wanted to implement it in some way, and I was, but it, it wasn't in like a formal manner. It's like, yeah, this is just another tool uh, that I, I can use for engagement. Um, so. But the two years ago now, it, that's where it kind of changed a little bit and became a little more focused. I started doing core vocabulary songs specifically for AAC users or kids with complex communication needs. So I was creating a little more simple, slow, and repetitive songs, but still engaging and fun. So they had the opportunity for that aided language input, or they could pick uh, play along with me and kind of do it as like a core vocabulary karaoke uh, type thing. Um, so we started doing that in the classroom, um, pushing in. And one teacher, I wish I could remember which teacher asked me this, but she said, well, do you have, have recordings of it or a video? Because I don't see you that often. Again, I'm not in one school. I'm in a bunch of different schools. And I was like, uh, okay, maybe I can try doing that. You know, have background in the, uh, doing audio and media art. So I was like, I probably can figure something out. Uh, so I created something then. It was pretty rough in comparison to the things I'm doing more so now. Like looking back two years ago, I was like, wow, I was really bad at that. <laughs> um, so I started creating some videos. And not that I'm that good at it now. But I uh, started creating some videos and putting them on YouTube because it was just easier really to share. I wasn't thinking, I'm going to create a YouTube channel and try to grow this thing. It was just like, here, here's a link. This is <laughs> easy to do. Then I share the video. Then, oh, it's too large to go through your emails. Uh, I don't know. Uh, so YouTube seemed like an easier way of doing it. And then they really liked it. And then I had people like uh, watching it from other places. I guess they just happen upon it um, online. And then I was like, oh, okay, maybe that there's something here that's um, beyond just me and my schools and stuff like that. So then I started creating more and more of them, trying to get the animation and audio quality better. Um, and uh, yeah, that's how it kind of uh, started going. And then uh, now I'm just continuing uh, and trying to make the quality and quantity, you know, just 
making things better, hopefully. So at the time of this recording, how many songs do you have on the YouTube channel, roughly? Yeah, total, I think I have like 130 or something oh, like wow. that. So uh, what I started doing like one a week um, after the first few, and then I saw some engagement from places outside of my school district. I was like, oh, this is fun. And it was, it's really, it's not a difficult thing to do. So it's kind of a, like a nice hobby. It's like, worst case scenario, I make all this stuff and no one really looks at it. I had fun doing it. So I was like, okay. Uh, so it's really not uh, much of a risk here. So uh, go ahead and uh, do this fun thing where I get to mess around with it audio equipment and I have an excuse to buy a microphone that I can tell my wife is for a, a uh, business <laughs> or something. So, okay. um, so that uh, made it, you know, this guitar is for a business purpose. Not, <laughs> uh, so, um, so we uh, kept going down there. So uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. So, uh, first of all, I really um, connect with your story there because that exactly years ago when I, I started a podcast called the AT Tips Cast, it was the, the whole notion was like, well, I'm going to make stuff for teachers so I don't have to keep saying it over and over again. And while I'm doing this, well, same, same deal, right? Like if I sent it to them and I made a little video or a little audio clip and I'd get, it would be like, well, it's too long or I didn't listen to it. So this will just solve me a problem. And then I came eventually to it. It wasn't like I had some sort of master plan of, of making this large, you know, podcast. Same thing with really with talking with tech is like, well, let's just get together and record some stuff and share some ideas and, and we'll see. But then from there, I, I've adopted since then this mentality that I, I, I feel like you have too, which is, well, if I'm going to make it, I might as well share it and make it in a way that can share it with the world, you know, let other people benefit from it. So and right you, now, it's so easy to do that, you know, with the technology, uh, just how interconnected we are. It's not hard uh, to do that now. You know, it's just as hard as if I was sharing it with just my team. It's, that seems almost even more difficult, <laughs> you know. Do you have any stories of like people using your songs and then writing you and then telling you about it? It's that kind of stuff like working yeah, with kids? Yeah, sure. I mean, honestly, that's probably uh, one of the biggest joys is uh, when somebody that you have no idea who they are send you a message. Or I've even had people email me pictures of them and their kids uh, utilizing it. I'm like, whoa, that's really cool. Um, so yeah, that's that's amazing. And when you hear little stories of we use this every single day in my classroom, I'm like what? <laughs> You do, <laughs> you know, that's, that's cool. Um, and, and those little nuggets right there can uh, last pretty far. So that can get me through uh, an another month of uh, creating uh, new content just because somebody, you know, made a comment like that. Yeah, so it, it's really cool hearing uh, all these stories. And uh, unfortunately, uh, so on YouTube, you can't make comments on content that is created for children. Mm -hmm. So and that, that's kind of a newish thing. I think it started like not this past January, but the one before that, something like that was a kind of a change. So I was getting comments on those and I was like, oh, that's really, then they kind of cut all those off. So you can only comment on like one of my videos and that's like my explainer video, which is for adults to kind of show you how to use these things. So people just drop comments in there, but people still e email me or send me messages via Instagram and things like that. Really. Since you're talking about that, how would people connect with you? So what is your email? What's your Instagram? What's your, what's your Twitter handle? What's the whole, give it, give it to us all. The whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, one of the easiest ways is going to the website is just speech and .com, Exactly what it is. Just speech and .com. And you can uh, contact me there, but I also have the email at speech and at gmail.com. Um, so I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, so you can uh, contact me there. Uh, of course, I have a YouTube channel. And that's the kind of the biggest thing, subscribing to the YouTube channel. So more subscribers to get the view, more viewership, then it gets shared with other people and recommended to other people. So that's pretty cool. I have a Patreon, which is really small. Um, it's just like a $2 a month thing just to kind of keep this ship afloat because again i talked about uh musical equipment and software and things like that it's just it's expensive you know uh so i try to keep things going there's a lot of little expenses that you don't really think about until you kind of get into it it's like so that's just uh, i'm trying to keep it afloat um then i have a little merchandise where i have like t-shirts and mugs and things like that people can buy and also have a uh, personalized songs that's something that i created after a while was I just have one template for that, but I want to uh, do a bunch of templates eventually when I have time <laughs> doing a bunch of different things right now. So it's hard to have the time to create all that. Uh, but so basically it's the template, the music's already there. 
I ask a, a few questions like, what's the child's name, favorite color, favorite toy, favorite place, blah, blah, blah. They send me that and I just intertwine that into a song and then they can send me pictures and things like that. Um, and then I put it in the video and it's, and send it back to them. So it's, oh, and, awesome. and, it, and it has a ton of, uh, actually it has a ton of core vocabulary within the song because that was kind of the initial purpose. And I kind of just opened it up a little broader, like anybody who is, you know, a small child, you know, preschooler or somebody who has co- complex communication needs that is using AAC. It kind of works good for, for those, but uh, those are kind of my, my whole spiel there. So a lot of different ways you can uh, contact me. Now, let me ask you with the core vocabulary, you said you've got like over 100 videos, like you said, so that's a lot of core vocabulary. We're, not all of the songs are core vocabulary, but most are, right? Yeah, yeah, most. I think I have like a little over 50 that are specifically core vocabulary, but also have articulation uh, songs. That was kind of one of the first things I messed with after those first initial core vocabulary. I was like, ooh, artic would be a kind of a cool thing to do. Auditory bombardment and things like that. Yeah. Um, so that and uh, language songs, I've started doing some basic concept songs recently um, and phonics so do some uh, phonics songs as well where you're segmenting and blending phonemes uh, within the song so I did that but yeah core vocabulary is kind of my focus that's probably my biggest thing that I focus uh, time on and I do the other ones just because of I find those interesting as well. So do you like, um, besides the personalized, do you take requests? Like, hey, we're working on oh. the word, blah, blah, blah. Can you create a video or a song and a video for this word? You know? Yeah, yeah, of course. And uh, some of the songs that I've created were because people asked for it. Like I more recently did uh, just a hello and goodbye. Just one song for hello and one song for goodbye um, because someone asked for that. Um, and I thought it was a great idea because they wanted to kind of book in their session start off with a greeting and end it with a farewell and they wanted a little song for it. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but absolutely. Yeah. Uh, send me requests and I'll be glad to do it. I don't know how timely I will be in uh, completing it, but I'll get it done eventually. Just to be clear, these are original songs. These are not song parodies. You're not Weird Al doing song parodies of something that already exists. You write the original music and the original songs and make the lyrics yourself, right? That's correct. Yeah. Um, so the only one that is a parody, I did one parody. I have no idea why I did this, but uh, looking back, it's like that was kind of a weird thing to do. Um, so I did a what's core vocabulary, and it was the parody of a Tina Turner song. Uh, what's love got to do with it? So I did that. That was my only parody. Then I was like, this, yeah, this was not a good route. Maybe I'll go uh, go back to parodies again. But yeah, you're right. Everything I, I just create myself. Well, I absolutely love the songs. I love sharing them. I love using them. I think if you have not listened, you definitely need to because they're super fun. Um, one more time, Stephen, how do people get in touch with you? Um, so my website, speechandlanguagesongs.com is the best way to do it. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Patreon. So all of those things. Awesome. Awesome. And again, I feel like we're kindred spirits doing the podcast. You know, I, we have the Patreon. We uh, want those reviews because we know that makes it easier for people to find it and it spreads yeah. the good word. We have to pay for the equipment. You see, I got my mic right here, you know, um, and we need better equipment because if you looked around, it's not, you know, <laughs> but it, we, we do what we have, you know. Um, sure. So, yeah. So I think that support would be awesome. And so let me ask you this. Um, I like to end interviews with what you're sort of uh, questing after. What are you thinking about? What are you professionally curious? about sure we've got covid so that's you know working with all of that but just in general what's got your mind reeling and you want to learn more about and you're thinking about and you're interested in um so yeah covid's a big one uh but i feel like i've spent a lot of time with that so we'll kind of go back to one that i was really thinking about before all of this was a uh, dr karen erickson's work with literacy and really kind of implementing that better uh, we talk about it um as teams and things like that uh, complex communication needs kiddos, literacy, like how do we ensure that or how do we make it to where it's a normalcy, like it, it's just occurring um, rather than being like a very big hurdle to cross because right now it seems like, oh, that doesn't make sense, Stephen, you know, so it seems like we're, we're trying to do a lot of convincing. So I think that's where I'm, I'm really interested in and this kind of made it a little harder uh, because everything's kind of put on the back burner. We're uh, doing things differently, but uh, we can still do some parent coaching on that stuff. So I, I see an opportunity to, to continue doing that, but definitely literacy and AAC and uh, where those meet and how to uh, 
make that happen for kids with complex communication needs. And I would, I would, so I'm super curious about that too. In fact, um, so just before this recording, I was saying I was in another meeting. I'm, I'm coming, Stephen, I'm running late because the meeting I was in was with two reading specialists that were like, how are we going to do shared reading with communication devices in a virtual space? And so I was having that discussion and we were putting together a little training on that, uh, you know, how we could possibly do that, give people a practice opportunity. And there's lots of YouTube videos out there now of people doing, you know, modeling on their communication device. But let me bring it to you and ask you this question with, in relation to music, you know, do you feel like there's an opportunity there? And is, is this what you were doing when you were jumping into sessions with kids um, where there can be sort of a, I still, maybe this is a hindrance. Maybe there's some research that says I shouldn't be doing this, but <laughs> I still sing my ABCs. Do you know what I mean? Like there's that, that musical a melody to reading, that fluency that comes with it. Um, I feel like music and reading are like siblings. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know. What, what are your thoughts and what have your experiences been? Uh, sure. Yeah. And I know there is a connection there with uh, music and literacy. And, and this has been a, a while since I looked at uh, these studies, but uh, I remember uh, phonemic awareness and going along with the ability, ability to like keep time or have rhythm, there was some correlation there. So I know that there's something there and I, I don't you know, know enough about uh, all of that and I highly doubt it's uh, deeply researched in that because it's kind of a, a strange thing uh, to do. But um, and if nothing else, the engagement factor is huge mm -hmm. because I feel like the vast majority of kids I interact with like music. It just, it seems to be, um, it's like 99% of them. Some of them are like, hey, you know, some days nothing is going to please some children, which is certainly okay. But uh, I feel like it's a, a win uh, for a lot of children with autism that aren't tolerating much of anything. Like they don't like many activities. Music seems to still soothe them. It, it may be the, you got to find the right type of music, um, mm -hmm. but music still uh, connects. Uh, so I think the engagement part of it in the least is uh, important to uh, utilize. Awesome. I could not agree more. You know, I, I think about earworms, you know, and as that is a strategy, like, you know, how you get the a song stuck in your head for me, uh, all summer long, it's been Hamilton, you know what I mean? And um, I walk around like the King and Hamilton singing family, and, but those words are in your head and they're there and they're, they are so, uh, sort of soothing, you know, that I, there's a predictability to them I, and I enjoy them. And there's an engagement factor when I'm singing with my family. And I feel like there's even more there that we can get into uh, and, and a, deeper research uh, about working with words and teaching AAC and teaching language, you know? Yeah. Uh, I wonder who's going to fund uh, these studies of, uh, that, that would be hell. I want to know. Uh, so that would be very helpful. But it's, it seems like, it, yeah, you're right. Uh, you're repeating these things. So it's almost like you're practicing them well beyond just the session. So you're still continuing to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited about the, the research. <laughs> I want, want to be able to do this. I'm not sure how I can do that, but uh, that sounds fun and, and, like, and worthwhile. You can challenge those new grad students you're working with to, uh, to be this. This could be you. This could be your yes. research that you're doing when you, when you leave because we, we need more people with doctorates, right? So I'm doing the research. Indeed, yeah. Well, hey, Stephen, it's been such a pleasure. I, uh, I had such a blast with you in South Carolina. Thank you for having me there. And it was so great to make the connection. Me like, oh, you're the speech and language songs guy. You know, I mean, it was such a great revelation when, because, uh, you know, you, 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 you don't often put names to faces. You know what I mean? So it was great to be able to do that. So thank you. And thank you. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, it's been awesome. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. Hi, I'm Matt Hott, one of the hosts of Speech Science, a weekly podcast bringing you all the information that you can handle related to speech sciences and disabilities. Michelle Wintering, Michael McLeod, and I interview leaders and difference makers in the field. Every Tuesday, we drop a new episode. You can find us on iTunes, Android, and on our website, www.speechscience.org slash speech science podcast. Join us as we try to find the answers to the question. What is communication? You're listening to the Exceptional Podcast Network.